The battle of Lake Erie ended yesterday, with the Bills falling short to the Cleveland Browns 19-16 in Cleveland to go 6-3 on the season. Hello Bills fans, welcome to this recap episode of Circling the Wagons, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host Nate, and we are going to discuss the Bills' loss yesterday to the Cleveland Browns. We're going to go over our thoughts on the game, some stats of the game, our plays of the game, and as always, our wall of famers and wall of shamers with some help from our great followers on Twitter. Oh, we also have to announce a new winner for the John Brown signed jersey giveaway. For the past two weeks, nobody has claimed the John Brown signed jersey. We have announced two separate winners. Neither of them have come forward. And that was one of the requirements. Not only did you have to follow us, retweet us, leave us a review and everything like that, but you also had to listen to see if you were going to win. So that's going to be fun. At the end of the podcast, we're going to announce another winner. And to be honest, we could go the rest of the season and have nobody claim it. We have roughly 60 entries into this, and it could be week 15, week 16, week 17. We could be going into the playoffs. We could be going into, we could be going into free agency and have nobody win this jersey yet. But I have a feeling somebody's going to come forward because there's at least 8 to 10 listeners each week that message me or tweet me or Instagram message us and say, hey, you know, uh, has there been a winner? Did, did the winner come through yet? So really looking forward to um, somebody actually coming forward and winning that jersey. It's a nice jersey. I think you're going to enjoy it. I think you're going to like it. And uh, yeah, so um, normally I'm joined by my co-hosts, John and Mike. But since we couldn't podcast, since we couldn't record this podcast yesterday, right after the game, um, I decided to tell them to take the take the day off. Um, and, and I would just do it myself. I would just do it. I'm doing it solo. I'm doing it. I'm just all alone. Cause I'm all alone. There's no one here beside me. So one, I appreciate you guys being patient and waiting an extra day for this podcast. I'm definitely wanted to do it yesterday, but something came up. Actually, I was just in a bad mood after that game. Can we just be completely honest? I was in a terrible mood. After that game, I don't know if you guys are like this after the Bills lose or you've been watching the game closely and especially when it's a game that's that close, I'm kind of prickly and, you know, my family can kind of sense it. So I kind of, you know, keep my distance a little bit. Not like I'm going to get angry. I'm just not as fun. I'm just not as good of a person. And I think that has to do with my fandom and just that I, 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 I wish I could be, I wish I could be one of those people that just watched the game and was just like, meh, oh, they just lost. That's okay. Oh, 1916. Well, at least they kept it close. Like, that. that's nice. At least it's kind of a win, right? They're still 6-3. and three. So I'm not one of those people, and I'm guessing since you're listening to this podcast, you aren't either. So we're going to take this episode to kind of commiserate together, to vent, to discuss some of our frustrations this past game and from the season thus far. And we're going to go into... You know, all of those reasons and more. And and I was totally just kidding. I, I didn't, the reason I didn't podcast last night wasn't because um, I was in a bad mood, I, even though I was in a bad mood. That's not the reason. We still usually, <laughs> we usually podcast even when we're not in a great mood. But to, to be honest, there was this uh, plug in our, or there's a clog in our kitchen sink and it just kept on escalating to the point where I had to take apart all the piping underneath and it was just, it was a nasty situation and it went a lot deeper than I went, I was going out to Home Depot at eight o'clock at night trying to find, you know, the right, um, auger. What's that thing called? It's not a plunger. It's, I can't even remember the name for it. Anyway. Um, so I was taking care of that late last night. So it pushed our whole night back. We had to, you know, get things ready for the next day, clean dishes. It was, it was just, it was just a mess. The, the entire place was just, we needed some time. So anyway, you guys don't care about that. But what I will say is there's an analogy to this from the Bills game, right? So it's like it's kind of like this. I'm trying to find out where the source of the clog is in our drainage system in the kitchen. So we have a garbage disposal. Is it the garbage disposal? Is it something else that went down the other drain? 
how far down is it? Is it just in the little P-trap underneath, or does it go down further? And if it is further, can I find a clean-out downstairs in the sanitary line, open up, and, and unplug it? And, you know, you just keep searching and searching, and you think it's an easy solution. And then it turns out being much difficult. Um, luckily, my brother-in-law is a really handy guy. He came over this morning to fix it, took apart. I guess what I'm saying is you can look at this game that the Bills played, and it's and unlike my situation— it's not difficult to find out why they lost, right? And I'm not going to be one of the people. So, you know, Mike, normally our co-host on a podcast, he's usually paints things in a very um, optimistic light. Like he'll be saying something to the effect of, you know, the Bills are still six and three. They still got a big, great chance of making the playoffs and they're still the, the best seed in, in, for the wild card. And, you know, they, they have some really easy games going up front, you know. And then you have John, my other co host, on the other hand, is more like Eeyore. It's like, you know, the, the sky is falling. The Bills aren't making the playoffs. I know there are a lot of different shows out there, a lot of different podcasts that were saying when the Bills were six and two, that it'd be like, you know, just deal with it. Just be okay with the fact that the Bills are 6-2 and two right now because it hasn't happened since 1993. But guess what? I'm here to tell you that being 6-3 and three right now and being worried about it because of how the team played is an okay thing. I think a lot of us are feeling that way, and a lot of us felt a little on edge when the Bills were 6-2. and two. If you listen to the, the Nick and Nolan podcast, which I'm sure you all do if you're listening to this one, but they always talk about it's not the what, it's the how and why. So how did the Bills get to 6-2? and two? Well, they beat a lot of crappy teams, right? And they didn't beat them handily. They beat them barely. <laughs> so, so you look at other teams that are around the same situation as the Buffalo Bills record-wise. So you look at the Baltimore Ravens, right? The Baltimore Ravens, are they a good team? Are they a team that's middling, kind of like the Bills? Well, the Baltimore Ravens lost to the Cleveland Browns, right? And the Bills just lost to the Cleveland Browns, right? So, so kind of similar situations there. Except the Ravens also beat the New England Patriots, a good team. The Bills have not beaten a good team this year. The Baltimore Ravens are destroying teams that aren't good. They're very handily beating the terrible teams that they're playing against. The Bills have not done that once this season against the awful teams they're playing against. And this doesn't mean that the Bills aren't going to make the playoffs, and it doesn't mean that the Bills can't make a run, but they have to be beating teams like this, like the Cleveland Browns this week, like the 2-6 and six Okay. And the reason why this is unfortunate is because this was a beatable team. The Bills at six and two needed to go four and four the rest of the way, the last eight games, right? Just to be just to be ten and six, because we're pretty safe safely in the playoffs at ten and six. So the Bills need to beat the Dolphins next week. The Dolphins are just won two in a row. The Broncos the week after that with a backup quarterback. And the Jets later on this season. And now all of a sudden, you're looking at the fact that there was a murderer's row of teams after that, after the Denver Broncos. You had Dallas, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, and New England. So if you mark those down as four losses, now you have to pull one win out of the Cowboys, the Steelers, the Ravens, and the Patriots. And if the Bills dominate the Dolphins and destroy them next week, going to change our opinion? Yeah, well, Let's talk about this Bills game. One of the reasons, let's, let me go over all the reasons why I think the Bills lost today. And I gave a lot of crap to Stephen Hauschka over Twitter as one of the major reasons that the Bills lost today. I mean, the, the Bills have been very lucky this season for having played against two crappy kickers, one in Week 1 versus the Jets and one in Week 5 against the Titans. Both kickers missed multiple field goals and were then cut from the rosters after those games. The Bills finally get a dose of their own medicine in Stephen Hauschka missing two field goals, two crucial field goals, a 34-yarder, and then at the end of the game to tie it up, Hauschka misses a 52-yarder, 53-yarder. Anyway, it was not is not a great day. In general, if you've been listening to our preseason podcast, I definitely had some worry, as I'm sure you all did, about Stephen Hauschka. He missed several field goals in preseason. He missed several field goals to end the season last season. And at least last year, we could have made the excuse, well, he was injured because of that dirty hit or dirty hit by Henry Anderson, I believe it was, whatever, dirty player. And you could at least justify it that way. Well, you know, he was injured. He was playing hurt the second half of the season. So that's why he was missing field goals. But the preseason this season and multiple other things, I guess I'm not sure why that's the case 
And if you look at Steven Hauschka's stats, I mean, this year he's kicking 61.5% in field goals. Last year he was 78.6%, which was his third worst season as a field goal kicker. You can't really count his first season because he only kicked like two field goals. So that doesn't really count. So besides that first season, last year was his second worst season as a field goal kicker. This season is his worst season so far as a field goal kicker. He has never kicked below 69%, and he's at 61% this season. That's not good. I don't know if that's a mental thing, but kind of reminds me of Dan Carpenter. Do you guys remember when Dan Carpenter got here and he was unbelievable his first season? And then every season after that, he kind of trailed off and he looked awful. I'm kind of worried about that. I think we should all be worried a little bit. On the season right now, Stephen Hauschka is 8 for 13. But as much as I want to give him some of the blame for the loss on Sunday, there's also a lot of blame to go for Brian Dable and his offensive philosophy. Going into the game... now. I haven't been super critical of Brian Dable because, you know, I I listen to a lot of different people talk about him, people that have watched the film. I haven't watched the film. I don't watch the film. I'm a fan like you. I watch the game. And a lot of it is questionable. Sometimes I think he does some things that seem a little, I guess the expression would be a little too cute. I think that's that's the word I want to, that's the phrase I want to go with. And, And by that, I mean, I think he's overthinking the situation, if that makes sense. Like they think, for example, the Cleveland Browns were the 30th best run defense, run defense team. They had the 30th best run defense. And game planning, you should think, well, if I'm the offensive coordinator, I want to run the ball against the Cleveland Browns and against their 30th best run defense, right? But I think he looks at that and he's like, no, 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 no. They're going to think that we're going to run a run the, run the ball, even though as a team, we have the 12th best run offense in the league. They're going to think we want to run the ball and that we're going to run the ball. So we're going to pass a bunch of times instead and really throw them off. I think he's overthinking things. Either that or he just doesn't really have a clue. Because when you're playing a team that has the 30th best 30th best run defense, and a team that has Miles Garrett, one of the best pass rushers in the entire NFL, the best way to combat a great pass rusher is to run the ball. And I was listening to the pregame show with Chris Brown, and he was saying that at times when the Browns get run on, Miles Garrett seems uninterested in playing, just kind of takes the play off sometimes. And so if I was a scout watching the game and game planning against the Browns, I'd, I'd say, hey, let's let's run the ball a lot more than we're passing the ball. But instead, the Bills ended up passing for 41 times during the game and only running the ball with their running backs 13 times during the game. And mind you, this isn't a game where the Bills were down by two scores for most of the game, so they had to pass just to kind of catch up. The Bills were either winning or within one touchdown the entire game. So there was no need to throw the ball as much as often as they did. They could have easily run the ball a lot more. And not only that, given the ball to Devin Singletary more, he, going into the fourth quarter, he only had eight touches the entire game. Whereas the week before, he had 23 touches, and the Bills had a very good game offensively, I thought. So, but you know what? When the Bills lose 19 to 16, and the offense only scores 14 of those points because there was a safety, a lot of the blame has to go on the offense. You can't win a lot of games scoring 14 points. I don't care who you are. There's not a lot of teams out there you can be with 14 points. But I can't go into uh, people who really lost the game for the Bills without even mentioning the defense. The run defense has been atrocious the last three weeks. They've allowed the third most rushing yards in the NFL the past three weeks. And Nick Chubb looked great um, going against the Bills. The game plan should have been to stop him. And they really didn't. They, he had a great game. He was dragging defenders bills players were missing gaps again the main focus going into the week was gap integrity gap integrity and uh, they missed a lot of those gaps and there was sloppy tackling and he's a fast guy he's a great runner he was dragging guys for extra yardage and although i loved the bills goal line defense that was about the only time that the bills really showed up to stop the run 
And another another issue that the Bills had as far as Cleveland's passing attack was Levi Wallace. Levi Wallace just got abused yesterday by both Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham Jr., uh, Richard Higgins. I mean, whoever whoever he was covering, basically that that is that is the game script for beating the Bills going from here on out. It is run the ball against the Bills and attack Levi Wallace. I mean, those are those are the easiest ways to win against the Bills. And so far, the teams that have done that have succeeded. So some of the blame has, obviously has to go to Levi Wallace. Some of the weird play, going back to Brian Dable, some of the weird play calls that were being thrown around was like like when the Bills were third and four on the Browns' 35-yard line on the very last uh, offensive play of the game, for some reason, Josh Allen decides to just throw it right away to John Brown in single coverage. Now, I think that was because there was an eight-man blitz and everything like that. But he saw single coverage on John Brown. It was a poorly thrown ball, by the way. And and it was just such a weird play call. I mean, you only need four yards. Why are you sending guys deep? You know, you need to you need to spread. I don't know. You only need four yards. You only need four yards to keep the ball. And then right before that, they had to huddle for some reason. Like, why are we huddling? Why isn't there a, a play already called? Like, why this is a hurry up defense. You don't have much time. Anyways, <laughs> going back to that. And also, we, I can't even discuss the offense and the issues without mentioning Josh Allen's missing on the deep ball all day yesterday. There was one play at the beginning of the game where Josh Allen threw a like 30-yard pass or 40-yard pass to Robert Foster, and it was completely overthrown, as it is, as it normally is. As I said on Twitter, Josh Allen overthrows a player, and in other news, water continues to be wet. <laughs> it seems like, I believe he's 0 for 14 on passes over 30 yards, uh, over 30 air yards. I believe he's over 14 this season. But he got away with one earlier. They called defensive pass interference, even though it wasn't even a catchable ball. Bills got away with one. They got a 35-yard pass interference call, basically. But he was overthrowing everyone, whether it was John Brown, whether it was Isaiah McKenzie, whether it was Robert Foster. I mean, he was just, he's over. he's been overthrowing guys. That has not improved at all this season. And I believe he only did it, he only hit on it twice out of 24 attempts last season so what is that two for 38 two for 38 not a good percentage there i'm not a stats guy but two for 38 isn't really that good so anyway (sighs) just just trying to vent with you guys just trying to talk about it but let's go over some stats of the game for today's for, for yesterday's loss Josh Allen, 22 for 41, 266 yards, not doing any favor with barely a 50% completion percentage by Josh Allen. No touchdowns, no interceptions, no fumbles lost, but he did have that one fumble that could have been very costly in Brown, deep in Brown's territory when he was running for extra yardage and he had the ball popped out. So luckily, John Feliciano recovered it and almost rolled over into the end zone to score a touchdown. How awesome would that have been, by the way, if he recovered it and rolled over into the end zone for a touchdown? Would have been the play of the game. Would have easily been the play of the game for our podcast, for the recap episode, our sweet sassy molassie play of the game. But alas, it was down at the one-yard line, and the Bills snuck it in for a touchdown. But uh, rushing the ball on the day, Devin Singletary, eight carries for 42 yards, 5.3 yards per carry. Again, looking at these stats, I believe Devin Singletary is at 6.4 yards per carry for the season. You have to look at these things, and you have to wonder, why isn't Devin Singletary getting the ball more? Why isn't Brian Dable getting the ball into Devin Singletary's hands one way or another? He had 23 touches last week. He only had 11 touches this week. Josh Allen had six carries for 28 yards, two touchdowns, by the way. Josh Allen had two touchdowns rushing the ball. Frank Gore had five carries for 12 yards, only 2.4 yards per carry. Another disappointing game for Frank the Tank, unfortunately. Leading receiver, as always, John Brown, five receptions for 77 yards on 11 targets. Five receptions on 11 targets. Not a good, not a good, uh, and and I put that mostly on Josh Allen as opposed to John Brown. There was an early third and five where it was a slant where Josh Allen put it where he needed to be. Unfortunately, the guy was draped all over John Brown and easily knocked the ball away, whereas there was a fourth down early, I believe it was in the first quarter or second quarter, 
where it was a fourth and four in, in Brown's territory, and it was another slant, and John Brown easily had his guy beat, but Josh Allen threw the ball behind him. So, and also, I mean, not that he was looking his way, but Cole Beasley was wide open on that play. That happened a few times, at least I saw on still shots that people tweeted at me. So Cole Beasley is there, guys. He's there. He's getting open. It's just a matter of Josh Brown looking for him, or Josh Allen looking for him, instead of Josh Brown. Cole Beasley, though, still four receptions for 74 yards on six targets, one of his better efforts on the season. Dawson Knox had a decent game, four receptions for 55 yards on six targets. Actually, his best receiving game. I believe it's his best receiving game of the season. He did have that costly drop, though, early in the game. He's got to learn to hang on to those, especially when Josh hits him right in the hands. And then Robert Foster, one catch for 20 yards on one target. So let's go to the Browns side of the ball real quick. Baker Mayfield, 26 for 38, 238 yards and two touchdowns, zero interceptions. Nick Chubb, 20 carries for 116 yards, 5.8 yards per carry. Kareem Hunt, four carries, 30 yards, 7.5 yards per carry. So they're just over six yards per carry for the Browns team. A Browns team that you knew was going to run the ball a lot and the Bills defense that just couldn't find a way to stop them. Leading receiver for the Browns, that's Jarvis Landry. Nine receptions for 97 yards and one touchdown on 10 targets. Nine receptions on 10 targets. So Jarvis Landry was just abusing Bills corners all game, including most notably Levi Wallace. Odell Beckham Jr. held intact, I thought, for the most part. Five receptions for 57 yards on 12 targets. Only five catches on 12 targets. Now there's a thing going, I don't know if you guys play fantasy. There's a thing going that there's there's, it's called a squeaky, what is it? The squeaky wheel gets the grease, right? The squeaky wheel game, right? Where the receiver just either speaks up or pipes up to the media about how terrible the game was beforehand, how they never got the ball, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, they either threaten to get traded or whatever. They just voice their frustration, right? A very famous example of that just recently is Stefan Diggs when he wasn't seen at practice. They weren't sure if Stefan Diggs was going to get traded. And then the next week he has like three touchdowns, right? So the squeaky wheel gets the grease, right? Odell Beckham Jr. definitely got the grease, 12 targets, but because Tredavious White is so amazing, as we like to call him on the podcast, save the day, Trey. Trey saved the day, White. Um, only five receptions on 12 targets. At least a couple of those were against Levi Wallace too. Kareem Hunt feeling not so many carries being had, but seven receptions for 44 yards. So definitely making, wouldn't it be nice if the Bills could have uh, at least dial up some plays where they get the running back involved a little bit more, like a lot more, just like the Kareem Hunt had seven or nine targets out of the backfield. Wouldn't it be nice if we could just get Devin Singletary somehow nine targets? <laughs> I'm not even talking like, 25 carries like like 15 carries or so and like yeah like five to eight targets i feel like that should be that should be the goal each game easily 20 touches that should be the floor all right so we're going to take a quick commercial break after that we're going to going to go into our plays of the game our sweet sassy molassy plays of the games our wall of famers and wall of shamers and our john brown signed jersey winner announcement so stick around and we'll be right back all right, welcome back to the Circling the Wagons podcast. This is our recap edition. I'm your host, Nate, going solo, flying solo for you with you guys. If you guys are still sticking around, you guys are both amazing fans of the podcast and just uh, and just good Bills fans in general. Great people in general, I want to say. I say you guys are all, uh, you guys are all, uh, you guys get the thumbs up for me for just being who you are. I got a, I got a few really nice notes today about not podcasting yesterday and uh, how they were looking forward to tomorrow, listening to it. And I really appreciate you guys' kind thoughts. Um, this was not an important reason to miss the podcast. I mean, it was important, but it wasn't like, oh, like my grandfather died, man. It was just, it just happened to, to, to go that way. Sometimes, hey, man, sometimes things happen. So I appreciate you guys listening into this episode. I know that it's not so much fun to listen to uh, the Bills losing, but it's a good time to vent and... Uh, discuss our frustrations, which we're going to do on Twitter. You know, I'm going to get into our wall of famers and wall of shamers. So I'm going to, but before we do that, let's do our sweet, sassy, molassy play of the game. Sweet, sassy, molassy. Get out the checkbook and pay grandma for the rub down. And since Mike and John aren't here with us, I'm going to give three plays of the game. And the first one's going to be the goal line stance in the first quarter 
After the Browns got down on the first, uh, the one-yard line, it was first and goal from the one, and the Browns had eight tries to score a touchdown, and they were denied, and the Bills turned the ball over on downs. Ninth play of the drive, a pitch to Chubb, and Chubb is not going to get there. The kitchen's getting hot for some on the Cleveland sideline. Second and goal, Mayfield Enzo looking for Beckham, adjustment broken up. White knocked it away. Again, it's Chubb on fourth and goal. A pitch to Chubb, can he get there? No! What a stand by Buffalo! Somehow Cleveland comes away empty. That was one of the best sequences we've seen defensively in a long time. And it was it was amazing. It was amazing. It was awesome. It was a great time. Um, it, it definitely got you pumped up as a Bills fan. And then they did later in the game. And luckily, uh, before before they went for it on fourth down, there was a, a false start penalty by a Browns offensive lineman. And they, they opted to kick the field goal, which is probably pretty smart because they most likely wouldn't have scored at all had they gone for it on fourth down again. Second play of the game I want to give is to Tremaine Edmonds for sacking Baker Mayfield in the end zone, getting that safety, and really it started to kind of change the course of the game and put the Bills right back in it and uh, tie the game up. Nine to nine. He has one catch. Tredavious White has done a good job so far on the Browns wide receiver. And there is a safety! Tremaine Edmonds! A sack of Mayfield in the end zone, and we are tied at nine. The Bills... One thing I mentioned earlier about the Bills having issues defensively as far as stopping the run, it's not just those issues. They have difficulty getting to the passer. And this has gone for good offensive lines, and this has gone for bad offensive lines. From listening to a lot of different smarter people than myself talk about the Browns' tackles, offensive tackles, and things you might have hear, heard on this podcast, the Browns' offensive tackles aren't very good. And the fact that the Bills had to get sacks by either blitzing or rushing up the middle. I mean, this defense isn't predicated on sacks only by blitz. It's supposed to be rushing four guys and getting sacks and pressure. And unfortunately, I just don't think the Bills are doing a lot of that, enough of that this season. And they're really going to have to look in either changing different schemes. I don't know if that's even going to help or just getting some young defensive and talent in the draft next season or possibly getting one in free agency. I don't think Shaq Lawson is going to be here after the season. I think he's a good run defensive end, run-stopping defensive end. I don't think he's a good pass rusher. I think that next season they plan on adding defensive end Mike Love into the Shaq Lawson role. That's the way I see it playing out because he's a much cheaper option than Shaq Lawson. And he's probably got the same floor and possibly the same ceiling, maybe a little bit higher ceiling than Shaq Lawson so far. I don't know. We'll see. But I don't think they lose a lot with Mike defensive end rotational or rotational defensive end next year. So I see them bringing on a fourth defensive end, either Daryl Johnson gets a little bit more run or they bring in a free agent or a high high end draft pick because they really need some help getting to the passer. And maybe that comes in the form of Ed Oliver. And it could, it could be possible that by the end of the season, Ed Oliver picks it up and is more of a force up the middle. But you know, if it's not the end of the season, we got to hope it's next season because the bills need help just affecting the passer. They just can't seem to do it. And the last play of the game I'm going to give to I'm going to give for you guys is Josh Allen and his quarterback sneak draw play to go to go up 7 to 3 in the first quarter. It's empty backfield for Allen. He's going to run it. There you go, James. You called it. Touchdown. James Lofton all over that one. Fifth rushing touchdown of the year for Josh Allen. I was very ex- as much as I hate designed run plays, and this was a very well called play by Brian Dable. It was something that the defense wasn't expecting. I don't know if it was an option for Josh to pass it if there was nobody there in the middle like there was, but it was great. It was a great call by Dable, one of the few during the game, and um, and Josh didn't get hit. That was one of the one of the best best things about that play. By the way. I'm still completely against Josh Allen running and ever taking a hit. I want him to slide every single time. And a couple of times he he ran out of bounds and he still took a hit out of bounds. People were like, oh, you know, it was kind of a late hit. It's like, it doesn't matter. Josh, if you have to run two yards earlier to not take a hit, then do that. Do whatever you have to do to not take a hit. Because I can tell you 
grand scheme of things, those two yards don't matter. Unless it's like a fourth down to win the game or to get the first down to keep the clock going or to score a touchdown. And even then, maybe, but just don't take the hit. Do whatever it takes to not take the hit. So it's not worth an extra two yards you get for running out of bounds or trying to get a couple of extra yards. So anyway, I made my point. Let's go into our wall of famers and wall of shamers for today's game. So that was a, a great time to talk about a new partnership that we have on the podcast. So our Wall of Shame, Famers and Wall of Shamers is brought to you by the DraftKings Sportsbook at Delago Casino and Resort. And this, I wanted to discuss with you guys, it's a new partnership that we're working with them. And it's, it's kind of cool. I don't know if you guys had heard our New York Giants, Bill's Giants recap podcast, where we recorded that from the Delago Casino and Resort. And it was kind of this cool thing that just kind of happened organically. We talked with the marketing folks over there and, you know, they were saying, you know, hey, are you guys interested in checking out our new uh, sports book? We have a DraftKings sports book. We're one of four sports books in all of New York State. And it was like, yeah, you know, us as a podcast, we always talk about the Vegas line, as does every podcast. And, you know, we're like, oh, yeah, it'd be cool to check it out. It's only down the road from us. We are one of the few Bill's podcast out there that's actually recording from Western New York or even in the Western New York area. So we're like, yeah, you know, this would be cool to see there. Is it cool if we record the podcast somewhere remotely, like upstairs or something away from the crowd because we're right there. It'd be cool while we're, you know, thinking about we're watching the game. We can just record it and get it, you know, and upload it right, you know, right after the game. And they're like, yeah, cool. We'll find a, a place for you guys to record the podcast. So they're super cool. The folks over at Del Lago, very nice people, very accommodating. And it just just so happens that that was the event where Bruce Smith came and did a meet and greet for VIP fans over at the Delago Casino Resort. So I asked, you know, just because I have to ask, because if you don't ask, it definitely won't happen. I said, hey, you know, while we're there, do you guys mind if we do an interview with Bruce Smith? I mean, this would be great. We're big, huge Bills fans. We do a Bills podcast. Like, this would be great. And so they thought about it. Like, it wasn't part of Bruce Smith's contract whatsoever. So, you know, luckily, the, the nice people at Delago Casino Resort, they they said, yeah, you know, we'll do what we can. And we showed up that day and they're like, yeah, you know, we, we found a way to make it happen. So if you guys haven't heard that interview with Bruce Smith, it kind of happened in the middle of the week. Unfortunately, during the football season, there's not a great time to drop a podcast like that, especially when we have such great podcasts airing every single day on the Buffalo Rumblings podcast channel. But if you could, please check that out. It is a really cool interview. It's only 10, 15 minutes with Bruce Smith, with the legend himself, the Hall of Famer. And we got to ask him a lot about his career as a Buffalo Bill and the current Bills coaching staff and roster and team that they have right now. And, you know, we, we give a lot of behind the scenes thoughts on Bruce Smith too, because it was just, it was just a really cool experience. Honestly, I thought about retiring after that because, you know, as a podcaster, as <laughs> we're not even, you know, we're, we're whatever, right. We're like just fans. And I was like, I don't think it's going to get better than this. I don't think it's going to get any better than interviewing Bruce Smith. But, you know, like our first year ever podcasting, the Bills ended the drought and kept the, you know, it was like, it was like, man, we got to keep going. And then, you know, we ended up latching on with Buffalo Rumblings. And then, you know, we end up meeting Bruce Smith at the Del Lago Casino Resort. And, you know, we interviewed him and it was so real. It's like, I'm, I'm asking these questions to Bruce Smith and I'm talking to him and I have all these questions written down and I'm listening to everything he's saying. But the whole time he's talking, I'm thinking, this is Bruce Smith I'm talking to. <laughs> like, this is crazy. I'm a f- couple of feet away from the all-time sack leader, Hall of Famer, first overall pick. It's just, it was crazy. It was it was an exciting time for me as a podcaster, as a fan. And um, I really encourage you guys to listen to that. But anyway, so this partnership that we have is, you know, we're going to make a couple of appearances at the um, Delago Casino Resort. We're going to go to the DraftKings Sportsbook, watch some games there. Um, it it affords us a common location that if you are a listener to the podcast and you happen to be in the Western New York or Central New York area, you guys can come over there, um, check out the area. If you guys want to talk to us or meet with us or talk bills with us, um, that would be great too. We're not that important. We're not famous, obviously. You know that if you've heard our podcast. Um, but you know, if you, we love talking to Bills fans in general. I mean, one of my favorite things to do is talk to the guys at the office, talk to my friends, my family about the Bills, because, you know, the more we talk as a fan base, as, as just friends and, and, 
And people, the more educated we become as Bills fans. So I love talking to people on Twitter, to conversing with people on Twitter, to arguing and, you know, kind of changing. I, I'm I'm a pretty open-minded guy. So if you have a good a good argument, I'll listen to it. So um, if you guys are ever around, I will let you know when those appearances are going to happen. I'm not quite sure. I know we're going to do one, I believe, at the end of November and one sometime in December. It's kind of tough with the holidays, but we'll let you know in advance. So if you guys are in the area and want to check out and meet with us, and we'll probably we're probably going to make some bets, to be honest, because as much as uh, as much as we you know love football and you know we play fantasy football and stuff, and as long as you do it responsibly, like there's nothing more fun than putting a couple of bucks on a game that you just so happen to be watching, and it just makes it more interesting for that game. Like, do I normally care? Like the game tonight, the, the Seahawks and the 49ers, it's a good game. But I mean, do I really care about the 49ers season or the Seahawks season? Like, not really. I mean, they're good teams and I'll watch them in the playoffs, but for the most part, I don't really care about the game. Now, if I put two bucks on the 49ers to win the game, all of a sudden it just becomes that much more interesting. So, so it's kind of cool. We'll probably, we, last time we went there, we put a couple of, uh, a couple of bets on like the Browns over the Jets and the Chiefs over the, the bra or the Chiefs or the Raiders, and we did a parlay on it. It was really cool, um, and we just so happened to hit on all of them, so we won some money. So that was cool. We sent in our ticket just the other day, and just in general, um, I'm a big fan of of sports betting. Excuse me. The the few times I've done it, I've been to Vegas a couple of times. This last um, summer, one of my good friends went to Vegas and placed a bet on the Buffalo Bills for me. Um, I bet on the Bills over seven wins at the time it was seven wins, which sucked because the line moved from six and a half to seven. So I bet over seven wins. Um, I put a decent amount of money, at least for me, because I thought it was definitely going to happen, which I'm still pretty confident it's going to happen over seven wins. Um, and then I put a, a, a couple of bucks on, uh, on the bills winning the Super Bowl because it was 80 to one odds. So, you know, we'll see if that happens. So got a little money there and it's just kind of a cool thing. I have it sitting in my, uh, in my cube tacked on my cube so hopefully when the bills win eight games nobody steals it and sends it into vegas and uh claims my money for me so another cool thing um about this partnership before i actually get into the wall of famers and wall of shamers is it allows us to interview any future guests i mentioned the fact that we interviewed bruce smith again i'd encourage you guys to check out that podcast and listen to it but in the in the in the event that they do have another player like that in the future, they'll allow us to interview that individual as well. And not necessarily even a Buffalo Bills player. For example, they had Donovan McNabb there earlier this season. And I'd be interested in even interviewing Donovan McNabb just as a fan of you know, the NFL and football. I would love to talk to Donovan McNabb. And there's there could be um, other people uh, headlining there. I know that they have comedians there. So there are some people there, like maybe they have Shooter McGavin, who's a known, you know, um, uh, resident of the Finger Lakes, who's a big Bills fan. Like he might come out. Maybe I'll, I'll interview him. You know, maybe Chris Berman from ESPN makes an appearance. So, so this partnership with them allows us, it opens up the ability to not only interview, you know, great, players and comedians or whoever um i mean we maybe who knows maybe we'll interview another hall of famer okay so not going to say that we definitely will but it opens up the ability and they said that you know we can do some DraftKings um giveaways you know some some swag giveaways that we can do for the DraftKings sportsbook there at the del lago casino resort so really appreciate the sponsorship um it allow it definitely opens up some doors f- for us as a podcast and as a podcast channel and uh, kind of gives us some credibility out there. And it allows us a chance to meet you guys. If you guys want to meet us, cool. If you don't, I understand. You know, there's sometimes I don't want to, I don't want to talk to myself or, uh, you know, I don't want to deal with myself sometimes too. We're all like that, right? So let's go into our wall of famers and wall of shamers for today's game. Let's go into first our wall of famer for the game. Wall I am going to give this Wall of Fame trophy to, I'm going to put the goal line D up on the Wall of Fame for the game against the Browns. Um, like I mentioned earlier, eight times in a row from from down and goal, and the Bills stopped them eight times in a row. And mind you, they had a couple of pass interferences along the way, but hey, I will take a pass interference any day of the week as long as it means that it, uh, it doesn't end up in a touchdown, right? Because the next, the next play could be a fumble, the next day play could be a sack, the next play could be an interception. So I'm all about holding uh, Odell Beckham Jr. in the end zone as long as it gives the Bills a, a chance to stop the uh, stop the offense. Now let's go into our wall of shame for today's game. Shame. 
Shame. Shame. Wall of Shame has to go to, in my opinion, it has to go to Stephen Hauschka. He has to hit those field goals, and this is just a disappointing trend coming from last season. Now, obviously, there has to be an honorable mention to Brian Dable and his weird play calling. Let's hope that 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 he learns his lesson. I was kind of thinking today that, you know, I'm wondering if a lot of the issues that we have with personnel stems from Brian Dable or if it's a Sean McDermott or Brandon Bean decision because I'm wondering why Cody Ford is getting more playing time than he should be as opposed to Ty Inseki. And I'm wondering if that's a Dable decision. There could be a lot of issues like we mentioned Singletary not getting the ball. I believe that's a Brian Dable decision. Uh, Maybe the fact that he didn't bring Duke Williams up from the practice squad earlier, maybe that's a Brian Dable decision. You know, I think, like I mentioned earlier, Cody Ford playing more snaps or more snaps than he should as opposed to Ty Inseki. Like, that could be a Brian Dable decision. A lot of things could be stemming from his poor decisions or his lack of creativity play calling. So sometimes I think he gets too cute with it, so I'm going to give Brian Dable an honorable mention. Of course, like I mentioned earlier, Levi Wallace gets an honorable mention as well for a wall of shame. Just a rough few games the past, and I can also give uh, the run defense. Let's give the run defense an honorable mention on the wall of, wall of shame as well. And of course, we're going to go to our great Twitter followers. The good thing about recording a podcast the day after the game is I'm still getting tweets and responses like the next day. I usually, if you guys don't know this, if you if you are following on Twitter, if you aren't following us on Twitter, please follow us on Twitter at CTWPod, at Circling the Wagons Pod. And um, I tweet after the game, almost almost immediately, at least I try to after the game, you know, who is your wall of famer and wall of shamer for today's game? And a lot of people, I usually get a lot of replies for it, and I like to read those. Um, please reply under that thread. A, a, a few of you um, quote tweet me and say what yours is, but I, I mean in my mentions and in my notifications, it's just one of those things that gets lost very easily. Because, um, I mean, not that I'm a big deal because I'm not. We have 3,700 Twitter followers. But I also follow, like, a bunch of people, too. So we just have a, a lot of notifications in general, especially after a game day. I could say something in the first quarter, and I'm still getting either replies or likes for it, you know, two days after. So um just gets lost in the shuffle. So if you could, just please re- reply to that thread, and that just helps me out. So let's go. First, first tweet by Let's Go Buffalo. This is our friend Dave, who was uh, the first John Brown jersey uh, winner, which we are going to go over soon. I'm, I'm mentioning, you know, Del Lago Casino and some giveaways that they're going to do. We still have a John Brown, John Brown signed jersey to give away, which I'm sure you guys have probably either skipped to this point or just like, really? Not yet? Yep, not yet. So <laughs> we got um, Let's Go Buffalo, our friend Dave, Wall of Fame, the Red Zone Defense, Wall of Shame. What the F is a forward pass? Now, Dave's mentioning that um, incomplete pass, it was kind of like a, it's that quick two-yard shovel pass that that they do on the jet sweep where, you know, a wide receiver or running back runs across the formation and the quarterback just kind of just throws it to them. It's kind of like, it's almost like a glorified handoff, really. And uh, Baker Mayfield, you know, passes it. It's behind, it's either in front of or behind Kareem Hunt, I can't remember. And uh, the ball falls on the ground. Jerry Hughes takes the ball and runs it in for a touchdown. You think the Bills are up 22-16. Well, upon further review, it was a pass. It was a forward pass. It ends up being um, an incomplete pass. The Bills don't get the touchdown, which would have been obviously a game changer for the game. The Bills might win that game had had it actually been called a fumble. You know what? I'm not that upset about that. The Bills call that play all the time. It is a pass for whatever reason. And I mean, I mean, I know why it's a pass. It's so weird. You know, the Bills do that to Isaiah McKenzie, and all of a sudden Josh Allen has a 20-yard pass. It's like, it's not really a 20-yard pass, but I get it. I get it. I wasn't as upset about that play as maybe a lot of fans were, but I get it. Adam Talmadge is in, Wall of Famer. Uh, Freddie Kitchens play calling, uh, which is an interesting Wall of Famer. It was still Freddie, Freddie Kitchens play calling, man. Helped the, the, help the Browns score 19 points against the Bills and, uh, and two touchdown passes by Baker Mayfield. So um, at least Freddie Kitchens, I would say his um, goal line play calling for sure. His Wall of Fame also goes to John Feliciano. That's a good one after his fumble recovery. The defense and Trey White, 10 goal line stands, a safety and they kept Odell Beckham Jr. to a minimum. Great call there by Adam. All great Wall of Famers. Wall of Shamer, Stephen Hauschka. Two missed field goals. 
those points were the difference today, which I would agree. I get a lot of people kind of say, well, it wasn't just Stephen Hauschka. No, it wasn't just Stephen Hauschka, but um, he was one of the main reasons. He also gives a wall of shame to Josh Allen's ball security, which again was an issue. How many fumbles does this guy have to have? Another fumble, another forced fumble. Luckily, another week where he didn't lose one. His offensive linemen are just bailing him out left and right. And his last wall of shame deservedly goes to Levi Wallace. Another rough game for the young cornerback, the second-year cornerback. I was watching, rewatching the highlights before I started recording, and that last pass to Richard Higgins in the end zone, either Levi Wallace is just... I don't know if he's injured or he's just, I don't know if he's just not himself. He just seemed kind of sluggish. I don't know. It was just a little weird. Um, but, but yeah, so Devin Brown says hall of wall of fame. He tweets wall of fame, Tredavis white with an honorable mention to Dawson Knox. Why doesn't he get any looks in the red zone? And that is an amazing question. Devin, he, he and Tyler Croft both should be getting a lot more looks than they have been. I feel like they're not targeting the tight end nearly enough in the red zone. Um, Wall of Shame goes to Brian Dable and Stephen Hauschka. TV Nerd is in. TV Nerd writes, she says, the Wall of Fame goes to Davis White and that red zone D, baby. And Wall of Shame goes to the play calls. I'm guessing she means the offensive play calls. And she says, the little bit miffed wall, which is a new a new term. We haven't used that one. A little bit miffed wall. Hauschka. It was a bad day for him. I don't think you should be a little bit miffed at that. I think that that was a that was a reason. There's a reason to be miffed about all that. So thank you for TV Nerd for tweeting into it. J- Jason Statham, again, our man Jason Statham, who just recently bought a uh, Circling the Wagons podcast t-shirt at our Public site, by the way. I tweeted that out. Cool, Jason. Thank you for supporting our Public site. If you guys haven't checked that out, we have 15 or, or 20 really cool bills designs uh, we have our as always our bills or josh allen hurling the haters design our our famous uh sean mcdermott uh sprinkling the process or trust the process t-shirt or circling the wagons podcast logo by the way um one of our uh i won't i won't name names but a very famous bills podcaster who i really uh respect and appreciate his work uh, message, I messaged him, just letting him know, like, hey, it'd be cool if we could collaborate in the future. He said, yeah, by the way, I purchased a Brian Dable uh, Trust the Process shirt. So really cool. I like that. I was not expecting that. Uh, appreciate his input and from someone who I respect. Um, that was nice to hear. So Jason Statham writes, Wall of Fame, either Trey White or, Tredavi- or Trey- Tremaine Edmonds, both had solid games. I will say real quick that Tremaine Edmonds did miss a huge run up the middle by Nick Chubb. I think there was a couple of plays like that, and he missed his gap assignment. He 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 darted right through that hole. He just missed Nick Chubb, and that's happened a few times this season. I'm not that worried though. It's a couple of plays a game that that's going to happen. I still really love Tremaine Edmonds. And I think he's going to grow, and I think his ceiling's really high. Wall of shame. Uh, Jason writes. I'm gonna have to say Dable. He's not using Josh Allen to his strengths. Bizarre play calling. But I also can't tell if that's down to Josh not being able to execute the play properly, which is a really good call. I'm not sure what it is either. <sighs> what is it? What came first, the the chicken or the egg, right? I'm willing to give Josh Allen the benefit of the doubt. Um, you know, people are calling for Brian Dable's head, and I'm not sure I disagree with that. I'm just I'm just not sure that that you know getting a new head coach or getting a new offensive play caller in is is the best thing for him. I'm just really. I'm not sure about that yet. I'm debating it in my mind, and uh, I don't know. We'll see by the end of the season. We'll see if he improves. If he continues to improve, I'm going to say no. If he doesn't, then I'm going to say um, maybe maybe we move on. Maybe we think of other options at the offensive coordinator role. Yaya, the 7OD, writes, Josh Allen on the wall of fame, House Money, and Levi Wallace both on the wall of shame. we got to come up with a new nickname for House Money um, because he's – He's just he's just not this season. What is he? Is he is he house poor? Is he house broke? You know, like uh, you know, just can't afford. You know, he just bought bought too big of a house. Is that become you become house poor? I don't know. Um, if you guys have any suggestions, please feel free to tweet. Maybe I'll go house broke for now. Um, and then he also writes in another tweet: "Change my mind. Wall of Wall of Fame goes to Trey White, but keep Levi Wallace and House Money on the Wall of Shame." Good shout out to. Uh, John Brown, bad shout-out to Brian Dable. Dan writes, I thought Allen played well, but the drops and lack of a true number one wide receiver will be the difference of making the playoffs. 
why they didn't take a flyer on Gordon is mind-boggling. Um, I know that wasn't a Wall of Fame or Wall of Shame, but that was just a really good, an interesting point. I've been on record saying that the Bills don't truly need a wide receiver, a number one wide receiver, as you think of like a Calvin Johnson or Julio Jones, just because there's not that many of those guys out there. And, you know, the, the teams that those guys tend to play for don't end up doing very well or going deep into the playoffs historically. But, man, wouldn't it be nice to have one of those guys, to have an Odell Beckham Jr. and, and have John Brown as your number two wide receiver? I mean, just think of all the damage that they could do, man. Or even another John Brown on the other side, someone of his talent. Two of them. Oh, man. Stop it. Stop it. Anyway, Mike Taylor is in our guy, Mike. Mike writes, Wall of Fame, Tredavious White for shutting down Odell Beckham Jr. Lots of Wall of Fame mentions for Tredavious White. Wall of Shame, I'm convinced Brian Dable has the opposite problem of his predecessors. On third and three and third and four, we're airing the ball out. How about just throw the ball five yards? And he also writes, Need to, needs to be cut. Steven Hauschka is just pitiful. Hey, do you guys notice that we just gave him a two-year extension? So, I don't know. I, th- I thought that that extension was a little early. I mean, let's see how he does, you know, halfway through the season. Because right now, that contract extension is not looking like a smart move by Brandon Bean. I mean, if you have a guy that can consistently make those field goals or make game-winning fields goals like an Adam Terry, I mean... Dude, money well spent. If you have to spend, you know, market value, top three, top top one for a kicker like that, you do that because that's worth a win or two a season, but it's also worth a loss or two a season if you're overpaying for a guy who is not performing. This isn't a wall of fame or wall of shame, but Eric writes, I'm so sick of Dable blowing games for us. Hashtag fire Dable. That's just, that's just, <laughs> I think there's a lot of people feeling that way. So Jeffrey Wadey, Oh, real quick, Rich Griswold writes, Richard W. Griswold writes, Wall of Fame, Trey, Milano, and Knox. Milano hasn't gotten a shout-out yet. I thought he had a great game, great sack on third down to uh, to force the punt. Wall of Shane, Brian Dable, and Steven Hauschka, as we mentioned before. Now, Jeffrey Jeffrey Waddy is in. I want to say it's Waddy, Waddy, Waddy. Jeffrey Waddy is in. He writes this, this was... The worst game I've watched in years, and it paralleled the epic six and three debacle ten years ago between these two clubs, or six to three. I, I'm sorry, six to three debacle ten years ago between these two clubs. I'm calling for a week ten moratorium on any fame for this team, as they should all be wearing the cone of shame. So I mentioned earlier that you know, uh, you know, some people, a lot of fans are down on the Bills, and that you know, even though the Bills are six and three and they're doing great, and a lot of teams would, would kill to be in their position. Man, if you feel down about the Bills, like, you're in company. Like, I feel for you, and I'm not going to talk you off that ledge for now. Just keep an open mind that it could change next week. And if it doesn't, you know, then I think we're just all worried about the rug being pulled out from underneath us because it has been so many times. I mean, do you blame us? You know, we're, we've are we been burned before. You know, man, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, you know, it's just like you ever, this is a terrible analogy, but you know, you ever like met someone either out or just randomly and you know, you get their number if you're a guy or a girl or whatever. And you, you know, you start texting them or, or, you know, calling them and it's like, wow, this is going great. You know, this is, this seems like it's going better than it should be. And then all of a sudden you just stop hearing from them, right? You just stop hearing, you just stop getting the text back. The, you stop getting phone calls back. You're not getting responses. And it's just kind of like, okay, well, you know, I guess that's over. <laughs> you know, that happens. It happens to all of us, I imagine, at one point or another. And we're just worried about that happening. Like, is this for real? Are the Bills the one? Like, is this going to be a long-term thing? Or are you just going to stop texting us, Buffalo? I mean, just just let us know, all right? We just don't want to get let down, you know. We just want to keep our options. We just still want to keep our options open too. You know, we want to keep our emotional options open. Our emotion. We don't want to give away our emo- emotional availability. You know, Eric Helwig writes in absolutely brutal clock management. McDermott playing for overtime. Singletary not involved. Two penalties for mind you. He has like ten question marks after each one of these phrases. Two penalties a game for Lee Smith. Levi Wallace still a starter. Yeah, you go back and get. And quote unquote, get better, McDermott. So Eric feeling what a lot of fans are feeling, some frustration there. Um, there was some rough clock management at the end. McDermott was definitely playing for overtime. He was not playing for the win there. Um, you couldn't tell by the way that Josh Allen threw that 20-yard pass when they only needed four yards for a first down. But yeah, not running. 
there for a long time there's just been, just been a lack of a lack of quickness when getting up to the line in crucial situations it seems like either the bills are just lackluster they called a huddle like with 40 seconds left like what are you guys doing this is not huddle time so i have i have to believe that has a lot to do with the coaching there with with Brian Dable and his management of the team do you guys remember a few years ago when Rex Ryan could never get the personnel out in the team. They kept having having either too many men on the field or not enough men on the field on defense. It kind of reminds me of that a little bit. Fluent in sarcasm writes, Wall of Fame, Tredavious White, and the Red Zone D, Wall of Shame, the offensive play calling and or execution in Hauschka. That's his 111, and he didn't perform. Good call there using the 111 phrase that we're so used to seeing with that's what that's what McDermott preaches right 111 while well, you were zero zero for two today so um let's go buffalo hashtag let's go buffalo writes dable 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 come <laughs> i think he's doing the uh the deo song he's like deo he's doing dable dable i i can't sing dable come and wanna get fired <laughs> Nice. That's from at Mike underscore J underscore Zing. Longtime listener, Mike. Thanks for thanks for that. Thanks for that. Um, thanks for making me try to sing that. I'm I'm not a good singer. He also wrote, let me piggyback this with a hugely uninspiring play calling day. Again, where's this explosive offense where we were promised? I mean, last season they were calling like two flea flickers a game. Like, let's do some creative play calling like that. I'm with a lot of the people that have tweeted this. It's just it's uninspiring. It's not using the players to their strengths. In my opinion, Francis Novoa writes wall of shame, Lee Smith and house money. Um, Lee Smith definitely had some costly penalties and he went back to the sideline. They show him throwing, throwing his helmet onto the ground. But man, I mean, I'm glad he gets upset. He's not just cool with it, but those are killers, man. Like <laughs> just need you out there, especially to help on uh, against a guy like miles Garrett. Can't have you causing more penalties and backing us up. It's been all too often that he's been he's been getting those penalties. I remember specifically the Patriots game being him being a major offender that game. Let's see, Brian Rosignal. Brian writes in, Wall of Fame, Dawson Knox, and Cole Beasley. Cole Beasley had a decent game, one of his better games so far as a Bills wide receiver, 74 yards. Um, Dawson Knox, I think, had, a, had also had a good game except for that, that, that big drop. Um, Wall of Shame, Levi Wallace, Stephen Hauschka, and... If, well, he gets Wall of Fame officiating. I'm not quite sure why that is. Um, there's no explanation on that. But Wall of Shame, deep ball in chemistry to get big plays. Execution is inconsistent on both sides of the ball. When we're hot, we're hot. On the deep ball, the deep ball should go on our Wall of Shame too. It's just over <laughs> 14, I believe, this season. Over 15, I want to say. And then what is that? Two for 38 for the last two seasons. Not very good. For a guy that has a cannon of his arm, he is not accurate at all over 30 yards. Pete McKismick is in Wall of Fame, Tredavious White, like a rash over Beckham. <laughs> Wall of Shame, well, some odd play calling, so perhaps Dable, but the general tactics today were in shambles, so I, I point to McDermott. So yeah, McDermott definitely has to take some of the heat for yesterday, for yesterday's loss. Mega Weapon writes, Wall of Fame goes to Tremaine Edmonds. He was a beast all game. Wall of Shame goes to Wallace and Hauschka. I bet I misspelled his name. I just don't care at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if he deserves the, the correct spelling at this point. I think he's got to, I think he's got to earn the correct spelling of his name back. We have Daryl F29. He's in. He writes, um, Dable Hauschka Wallace. Brutal day. Josh did have 266 yards passing. But they should have ran all over the Browns. It wasn't the day for all that cute shit. <laughs> all that cute shit. Only eight carries for Singletary. All of this is my wall of shame take. I got nothing for the wall of fame. I wouldn't blame you if you had nothing for the wall of fame today. I had to come up with something. There was some, some good plays of uh, of the game and some good players. But yeah, it was tough. It was tough to find a uh, a wall of fame for today. <laughs> face, face in the clouds writes, wall of fame, I don't know. The snapper? <laughs> Wall of shame, the whole offense, head coach, and this notion that our defense will win us game, you have to score points, exclamation point. Absolutely. Kevin Whitney writes, all the talk of the Bills have culture, and they still lost to a team with actual talent. This team sucks. Fire Dable and get a number two cornerback. Wow. 
So now John McGuire actually comes. This is interesting. He actually, I'm almost done with these, by the way. I know you guys might be getting sick of him. But John McGuire gets, comes in and he writes, Why is everyone blaming Dable? Josh Allen barely completed 50% of his passes and missed on bombs again. I want him to be good, but he's not. I don't know if he is ever going to be either. Man, don't, oh man, don't bring me, don't bring me down, John. <laughs> I'm not ready to say John, or Josh Allen isn't. So, uh, I mean, it's a possibility he isn't, but it's a possibility he also is as well. Daryl Hillard brings a really good point. Brian Dable, for God's sake, he's on the wall of fame, the wall of shame. This is not college. Sometimes I think that he doesn't know the down and distance. I've seen it all season. Yes, the players are supposed to execute, but the coaches are supposed to put them in the best position do, to do so. And run the ball, for God's sake. Dable calls plays as if we're in the Big 12. <laughs> well, he did come from the SEC, so weird. Weird that he would be calling them like the Big 12. Okay, last one, I think. Last one, I think. We'll go from Amy. Wall of Fame, John Brown. Wall of Shame, Levi Wallace, Brian Dable, and Sean McDermott. The deep ball has sucked literally all season, and you call that on third and four? Terrible. And am I the only one who thinks that forward pass simply went straight up and not forward? <laughs> Excuse me. Um, Yeah. I guess. I guess as far you definitely bring up good points about John Brown being on the wall of fame, Levi Wallace, Brian Dable, the deep ball should be on the wall of shame. And uh I don't know. I kind of thought it was a it was a forward pass, but yeah, it's a weird it's a weird situation. He did just kind of just toss it up, I guess. I don't know. It's kind of like a pitch, but I guess a pitch forward is always a pass. I don't know. If you pitch it forward behind the line of scrimmage, is that still a pass or is that the guy drops it? Is it still a fumble because it's the line of scrimmage? I don't know. Can't remember. I'm off the top of my head. Okay, okay, one more. Okay, one more. All right. Dave writes, he's at Bills at Go Bills UK. It's a painful loss, shameful play calling, only 14 rush attempts. Okay, and then he's he gives he gives, just gives a lot of thoughts on the game. Allen had an extra six runs against the 30th against the 30th ranked run defense. Hauschka with two missed field goals. He's 0 for 4 from 50 plus yards this year. The third down plays were atrocious all game. We run on first and 25 and go deep on. <laughs> that's a good play. Good call. We run on first and 25 and we go deep on third and three. Good points. We've realized we've relied on the D to carry us all season. It would have been a blowout without our red zone D. Hall, Wall of Fame to go to John Feliciano. We'd have been embarrassed if it wasn't for his fumble recovery. Honorable mention to Andre Roberts. I love his kick returning optimism for sure. So thank you for everyone for continuing to be part of our wall of fame and wall of uh, shame discussion. Like I mentioned, that's brought to you by um, the DraftKings Sportsbook at Del Lago Casino and Resort. It's in Waterloo, New York. If you guys haven't been there, it's a nice little um, area. Um, it's about 40 minutes or so outside of Rochester. I believe it's about 40 minutes outside of Syracuse, kind of in the middle there. So, uh, we recommend recommend going there if you guys. I'll, we'll definitely let you guys know when we're gonna make an appearance there and kind of catch up. I mean, not an appearance. It's not like you're gonna announce us or anything. We'll just let you guys know we're there and, uh, you know, if you guys want to come talk bills with us or whatever. So that would be really fun. So again, appreciate them um, sponsoring that and uh, giving us the ability to um, interview some future players and personalities. So um, again, this was uh, you know it was a rough game. We'll see if the Bills end up uh, you know beating the Dolphins and handing them, you know, a loss after the Dolphins have won two in a row. That would be great. We would think a lot more differently of this team, especially if they destroyed them. So I'm, I'm still keeping optimism. I'm not down, but definitely don't let people get, give you crap for being upset or being a little pessimistic. You have every right to be. I think we all are a little bit and we all should be to a point. They've played down to their competition a lot. And is it really playing down to their competition or are they really at that level of competition because they're not that good yet? So we'll see. Um, the Bills play the Dolphins, like I mentioned last week. And, oh, yeah, we have to, of course, of course, announce our John Brown jersey, signed jersey, autographed jersey winner. The last two winners have not come forward to announcing it. Now, I mentioned I'm going to give your Apple Podcast review name, okay? So there's a possibility. Just because I know you guys, you guys should have used your Twitter handle as your Apple Podcast review name. But I know within the review, some of you guys left your Twitter handle. I didn't have time to go over all 50 or 60 reviews and just jot down, you know, your review name and your Twitter handle and all that crap. So I did some of them, but I'm going to give you the name of your Apple podcast review. And by the way, you should kind of know what that was. It shouldn't be this like random name that you'll never remember. Like if your Twitter handle is like at, you know, John Brown, your, your Apple review name should be like John Brown 
you know, one, five, six, two, four. <laughs> it should be pretty obvious. Anyway, for the John Brown autographed Jersey for free shipping and all that fun stuff, because we love you guys, because we thought this would be a cool podcast giveaway. And because nobody has claimed it yet, the winner is, as I click the button, Bokes26, B-O-A-K-S-26. So I believe this is one of the people that listens every week because you have to listen every week to see if you're going to win. I believe this is one of the guys that listens every week, and it might have been one of the people that has messaged me. But don't lose hope, fans. He might not message me. I know for a fact this is a gentleman. And um, so uh, congratulations to Bokes26, B-Oaks26. You are the official winner of the John Brown jersey, signed John Brown jersey for week three. If you can message me either through Twitter or Facebook or Instagram, let me know your address and I will ship that off to you. Um, but again, if you don't get back to me before the next time we record the podcast, then I will pick a new winner. So again, it's very possible that maybe if he's not a listener every week, or if he just listens to the weeks that the bills win, then, you know, maybe it goes to uh, week four next week. So don't lose hope bills fans. Thank you so much for flying solo with me on this podcast. We went off on a lot of different tangents and some of it, you know, kind of got out there. Um, so, uh, really appreciate all you guys listening. Um, if you guys aren't already subscribed to our podcast channel, we give you content every single day. This is great for, especially for people that, you know, want Bill's content every single day that either, you know, don't listen to local sports radio in the Buffalo area, or if you're like a lot of people out there, you're not from the Buffalo area and you can't, you don't want to listen to, you know, I mean, your local station there is talking, you know, the Denver Broncos or the 49ers or whoever it is. You want to listen to Bill's content we have that for you every single day it's like it's almost like a bill's radio channel in fact there's obviously us there's the rumblings q a uh, breaking buffalo rumblings blitz bills the nick and nolan show mafia mavens i mean just a lot of quality shows i listen to all of them and i really recommend you do that as well just because there's a ton of different opinions and thoughts on every single podcast and you'll come away either agreeing or disagreeing but either not you'll become that much more of an informed bills fan and you'll be a better fan in general and honestly probably a better person in general you know you won't be such a such a self-centered person for once, you know, it'll kind of be nice. So anyway, everyone, thank you for, I was just kidding, obviously. Thank you for listening. And for me, Nate, go Bills. Let's hope the Bills squish the fix, squish the fish next week to go seven and three and uh, that much closer to the playoffs. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Circling the Wagons podcast. Download and subscribe to us in your favorite podcast service. Email us at ctwpod at gmail.com. That's Charlie Tango Whiskey Pod at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at ctwpod. And most importantly, go Bills! Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills.